I want to welcome this morning. My name is Melissa Hatfield. I'm the pastor of Youth and Missions here at First Baptist Church. And of all the choices you made this morning, you made a great one by choosing to be here this morning for worship. It's one of my favorite Sundays as it is Missions Celebration Sunday, a time when we look back on what God has been doing and what God is and continues to do uh, through our congregation and through our partners around the world. Uh, This is a special time where we celebrate the idea that sharing the love of Jesus Christ is something that's important to our church and something that every follower of Christ is called and commanded to do. And I just want to thank you for being a church that supports missions in so many ways and makes us a heartbeat for here. You know, missions is mentoring a child at South School. It's hugging a Lakota child on Pine Ridge Reservation. It's washing dishes with the mamas in Kenya. It's also the listening ear that we extend to a coworker, and the gift of time that we give to a team we coach. And it's the hospitality of an open home and an open life for others and our neighbors. And it is the fervent prayers that provide the foundation and prepare the soil for telling the story. We indeed have a great story to tell, a story of Jesus' love and his grace and mercy. For our missions here at First Baptist Church, we try and focus um, on different areas, and that's local, national, and global. We understand that we need to take care of our own and our neighbors, but at the same time, God calls us to take care of others around the world and to encourage and partner with those who are doing that. And so we try and balance that between the three. So this morning, as we share, we're going to share in those three areas. And uh, also, at the same time, our church continually works on missions education for all ages. I'm going to start by just sharing with local missions. I wanted to give you uh, just an update on Mission JC. Um, And before uh, Lori comes and talks about Common Ground, in 2012, First Baptist had a group that asked the question, how can we give ourselves away? And we asked that question on behalf of the church and wanted to challenge church in many ways to think about that, that God calls us not to be about us, but to be a sent congregation into our community and the world. And the result was a a desire to embrace the idea that how could we give ourselves away and what could we do that maybe would be outside of our comfort zone. And we really love our Sunday gatherings. So we decided to mess with ourselves a little bit and give up a Sunday of worship here to worship through service. And in April of 2013, we held our first Mission JC where we canceled activities here in order to worship in our community by giving away, helping out schools, doing laundry, doing landscaping, um, visiting with folks in our community and our senior centers. It was a great day of service for First Baptist that day. We had over 300 participants and about 20-some projects. In the last four years, it's grown quite a bit. Um, And this last year on our, our last Mission JC, we had over 600 participants, over 62 different projects in our community, and eight local churches who were involved. It has been amazing to see what God has done uh, with that day and that offering of something uh, that we wanted to give back to him and to our community. So this next one in 2017 is on Sunday, April 30th. We hope that you'll mark your calendars for that and plan to participate and to give back for our city where God has placed us. I'm going to invite Lori Feeler to come now and share about Common Ground. Good morning. Along with Sharon Nelson, Margaret Baggett, and Tony Hammond, we are your face at Common Ground. Since 2011, your contributions to Benevolence and First Baptist Church missions have gone to support the work of Common Ground. If Common Ground had a theme song, I think it would be, He Looked Beyond My Fault and Saw My Need. 
Through the combined donations of several churches and the leadership of the counselors at Common Ground, this benevolence ministry is filling a much-needed gap in service to those in the Jefferson City Public School District. Each client is given an appointment to meet with the counselor and given an opportunity to share their story. They are treated with respect and valued as worthy individuals. They may need assistance with discontinued utilities, help with a rent deposit or rent payment, gasoline or a bus pass to get to a doctor's appointment or a new job. The ministry works with guidelines, not rules. This approach allows us to look beyond the immediate need to the evaluation of underlying causes. We then attempt to meet those needs. Some employers allow us to refer good prospects for new employment. Through a cooperative or collaborative effort with the State Technical College at Lynn, free elementary computer classes are offered to equip people for new jobs. Also, sewing classes are held at the center. The center is available for meetings and parties, a community garden, a community garden, a lending library, and free books for children are all part of the day-to-day work of Common Ground. It's really exciting to see the work go and to pay, for instance, the deposit for a homeless person so that they can have a safe and secure place to live. You can see hope in the eyes of the people as they leave, having found resources to meet their crisis need. The networking that occurs between many agencies is unique in this ministry. Common ground cannot meet all the needs, but often they know someone who can help. They might find a financial counselor. They might pay for medicine until their insurance goes into effect or refer to an agency that pays off payday loans and helps the clients establish their own good credit history. The needs are as different as the people. I want to thank you personally for your part in making this more than benevolence and more than First Baptist alone could provide and to give hope to those we serve. I encourage you to go to the website and look at the blog. There you will find the actual stories of how the ministry has helped people. My prayer today is that God will open our hearts and our eyes to the needs around us. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Cindy Swanigan, and I have had the opportunity for the last couple of years to be able to work at South School. South School and First Baptist are partners um, in education. We are a business partner with them, and we work through Big Brothers Big Sister to um, also incorporate the mentorship at South School. One of the things that I love about South School is that they believe in educating and encouraging the whole family, not just the student that's sitting in the desk in their classroom. And another thing that they like to do is to give community and family to those kids at South. They belong to South. They belong to a family. They belong to a group of people that care about them. And I believe we have some slides and pictures of South. There's South School. Um, And so that's one of the things I especially enjoy about South is that they 
provide and, and care for the whole family. And then, like I said, for the kids to feel like they're really a part of South School. One way to do that is to provide for each student a South School t-shirt, where every student has the same shirt. Every year it's a different shirt. Um, and so what we're doing at First Baptist is, if you've seen in the North X for the last couple of weeks, a way for you to sponsor a t-shirt for one of the kids. We still need 200 more t-shirts so that each kid has a way to feel like they belong. South School is located in a socioeconomic uh, part of town that's a little bit lower on the scale. Um, They have a lot of transient students, kids that move in and move out quite often. And so something that makes them feel like they belong is, is something of value to them. Um, a big part of support for our mentorship there is for um, First Baptist adults to be able to be paired with a student to be able to spend time with them every week. Um, right now we have 19 First Baptist members who are mentoring students at South. But there is a waiting list of more little kids that want to have somebody to come to their school and be able to spend time with them every week. To be a mentor, you just take 45 minutes every week of your time, you show up at the school, and you just hang out with one of the kids. Um, And it's really easy to do. You get to play games with them, or you go to lunch with them, or you get to go on the playground with them. You just need to show up. There's no no, um, particular curriculum or anything that you do with them. You just show up. Big Brothers Big Sisters, as I said, implements that mentorship program, and they actually provide the games, so the games are there for you at the school. The school provides a location for you and your student to meet so that you all can be together, and then your part is just to be there. And I don't know if you can imagine the impact that just a caring, consistent adult showing up to be with you just to have fun, not to have an agenda, but just to be there and to support you, does a great deal to increase the self-worth of that student that needs somebody to be consistent in their life. Um, Your request for a boy or a girl will probably be met, kindergarten or maybe an older grade, whatever you pick, and then Scott from Big Brothers Big Sister will actually take you and introduce you to that child You get to talk with their teacher, set up the time that you all decide is the appropriate time for you and the child, and then you get to go and, and, like I said, play games with them. The great thing is, if you're a state worker, you get to do that one hour a week, no penalty. So don't let that hold you back. And I also hear, if you're self-employed, you don't have a penalty either. You can go, and you're good. We've also worked um, Mission JC. At South School, we've done a Lego wall just this past year, and you can see that Lego wall. Uh, The the, uh, librarian had a grant, but she needed a way to implement that uh, Lego wall, so we helped donate the Legos. We got the the grid put together. Some of our um, smart young men were there to help us figure out how to put that together, and the uh, librarian has absolutely loved having that for her hands-on time in in her uh, room. We've also painted... We have cleaned lots of spaces at South School, lots of desks. We have prayed over some of the classrooms. We've also had some teacher requests for specific prayers, and we've left notes of encouragement, so we've done a lot of things at uh, South. Uh, We've also done teacher boxes. So four times a year, the teachers get to request something that they need for their classroom that they have to provide out of their own pocket. And we are, as 
much as possible able to oblige them on those requests. We get those things together, put them back in their box, give them back to the student or to the teachers, and then they're able to use them for their students. And they absolutely love that part of our partnership. They have requested that we don't ever stop that part, but that part just keeps going on. Um, and then we'd also like to encourage our teachers and the staff there. We provide lunch for them, especially the first day when their meetings come back for the first part of school. We'll provide them a lunch so that they can have that and not worry about that. We do the teacher appreciation week. Every day of that week, we try to provide something for them of encouragement, food, notes. Uh, throughout the years, special holidays or different things that they've asked us to help for, we try to be there to help them and encourage them because, as you know, teaching over 325 students at the school, about 44 staff, there's a lot of places uh, for encouragement, and they do so appreciate that. We've also been able to supply them with some grant money. They have asked in the past two years, uh, they've written grants for their reading program, and because the Jefferson City Public School Foundation knows of our partnership, they've asked us if we could fund those grants, and we've been able to. So for the past two years, we've been able to partnership with them in that in that way as well. Also in your bulletin, Mel has already talked about different things, um, different uh, missions that are in there. If you look in those sheets, you can see some of the other things that First Baptist does with South School. And we'd so appreciate your help with that. Um, and if you ever spend any time at South, you know they enjoy our partnership. They enjoy the encouragement. And if you are there, you will enjoy South School. You'll enjoy those teachers, and you will love spending time with the students. We're here to talk about uh, the ministry on Pine Ridge with the uh, Lakota Indians that we've had for about the last eight years, I think. Um, The United States government and churches have a bad history with the Lakota. During the 1870s, the U.S. government relentlessly pursued a policy described as Christianizing and civilizing the savages, with the end goal to make Indians fit to live in the presence of white man civilization. Various religious denominations were assigned areas where they established schools. These schools sought to replace Indian spiritual tradition, cultural values, and lifeways with those of mainstream American society. Because of this, there are many Lakota who hate the white man and his religion. Racism and prejudice still run deep in the church, also. We usually just fail to realize it. That's why these boys here are so important as the face of Jesus to the Lakota children. You see, we are not born with hate in our hearts. It is learned. My name is Tuck Feeler. I am nine years old. And this is my first year of going to South Dakota. My favorite parts of being in South Dakota was making projects with the kids like puppets and maracas. I also really liked spending time with our team, like going out into the field with Eleazar, we got to shoot prairie dogs because they tear up the trees that we plant. The one thing I learned is the Lakota people don't live in teepees, but they are still very poor. My name is Nick Strauderman. I am in seventh grade. This past summer, I went on the South Dakota mission trip. This trip made me feel good in my heart. Some things that stuck in my mind were one time we ran into one of Lori's friends selling jewelry that he made. Another time there was a big storm and a mother and son came to the Dream Center to get out and we invited them for dinner. We also had a barbecue 
in one of the communities. There was a lot of people there. I really enjoyed meeting and getting to know all these new people. My name is Cooper Feeler. I am 12 years old. This is my second year out at South Dakota. My favorite part of the trip was when we had kids club because usually I just hung out with the Lakota kids because they are just like any other kids. They're different from us because they didn't grow up with all the stuff we had, like food every day. The one thing I learned is that they could always need more help. We could help them by giving toys, money, or just going to help. Hope you will pray for the Lakota kids. They really need it. We're Jim and June Martin, and we belong to the Friendship Singers. Now, there's some very good musicians in our group. I don't happen to be one of them. <clears throat> for years, I've heard from my family, Mom, you can't sing. And I know that, but as I told Rod this spring, I'm not singing to my family. I'm not singing to you. I'm singing to the one that saved my soul many years ago and the one who knows my name. This past year, we went to, we've joined, been in the Friendship Club for several years, the Friendship Singers. But this past May, we went to New Orleans and a very touching experience on all the places we visited. When you go to these nursing homes and you see these people in these wheelchairs that you would swear could not know anything and you see them singing along with you and even if they can't sing, you see the look on their faces, you know that they have been touched. And then when we went to the mission, and it was hot. It was hot for me, and I love hot weather. So I know you people who don't like hot weather suffered at this. But you saw these people who, again, sang along with you. And these people were in a mission. You knew no history of them. But you knew somewhere along the way they had been exposed to Christ. And you hope that your small contribution may have affected them in some way. And you know, we joined the Friendship Singers, or I did, hoping that maybe I could make somebody's day a better day. But when we all get back on that bus and we all talk about what a blessing we have gotten, then God has blessed us. And the last thing I want to say about that is it's, we're usually gone the first Sunday of the month. So the last two years, on the first Sunday of the month, we have gotten, we have had uh, our communion. And I don't know that we spilled anything. We had our little cracker and we had our grape juice, and it felt good. But I want to encourage anybody who thinks they might be interested in this to please join the Friendship Singers. And like me, although you can't sing, you're not singing to the crowd. You're singing to the man who gave you your salvation. Thank you. Jim? I don't know what else to say, but I have some notes. 
<laughs> and Rod forgot to tell Melissa that I'm a, I'm a retired university teacher and I'm geared to 50 minutes. So <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. Uh, the, the Friendship Singers are the most blessed groups I've ever, I've ever been with. These people are happy all the time. We have a really good time. And uh, I, I kind of geared this to food, fun, and worship because Rod does a wonderful job with food. He can arrange the best restaurants in the world, and we've never had a bad meal. But uh, he started out with Arno's in New Orleans. If you know about that, you can't get better than that, so I'm not sure it went up from there, but it stayed about level. Uh, we went, did go to a tavern, though, while we were gone. We, nobody drank. It was just a food place, but it was really good. Uh, we went to the, with friends to the court of the two sisters, and you can eat yourself to death there. It was a buffet. For fun, we went to a plantation. We got to see the plantation. We went to the World War II Museum, and if you've never been there, that's wonderful. It's new because it flooded during the big flood. We went on a swamp tour, fed alligators, marshmallows. They love marshmallows. Went on the red bus to see the city a lot. Worship was the most vigorating thing we did. June already talked about some of that. But we sang, sang our way to New Orleans and we sang our way back. And I'm not a singer. I told them that when I joined, and they cover me up really, really well. Ended our, our bus tour at Ozark, where we saw some real good friends at, at the Baptist home in Ozark. Did have some great highlights. The whole trip was a, a highlight. It was wonderful. Sharon and Jim did a wonderful job with the communion on the bus, and Sharon's devotionals on the bus just made everybody odd, odd when she did those. Was hot. June mentioned that, and I'm not a hot worsen person, hot weather person. It was bad for me. The New Orleans mission was probably the the most heart feeling thing that that I had on the trip. Those people really enjoyed us, and we enjoyed them, and their minister was a really great singer, and Rod had him sing a song, <laughs> which was good. But the whole trip was a wonderful worship experience, and I'd recommend it to anyone. If you can't sing, it's okay. Thank you. Hi, my name's Taylor Tipton, and I am a senior at JCHS, and I'm a member of the Refuge Student Ministries. This summer, we took a mission trip to Detroit, Michigan, and that was really amazing. Mission trip was one of my favorite events that we do. Um, a typical day, whenever we were in Detroit, was we had our work projects, came home and showered, because that was A number one, and we sang in the evenings, and then we had devotionals in the mornings and evenings. Now, when we sang, we went to the nursing homes or churches, and... Not everyone in our group is a singer, per se, but they, we all end up having fun at the end when we, as Haley Watson, former senior, says, work the crowd. And you just go out and you get to see the people that you 
just sang a song, you're like, oh, maybe I didn't do so great, but then you talk to them and you hear like how much that you've blessed their day, and that really just makes it all worth it. So, And then the work projects that we did, we did a lot of yard work. We did some painting and scraping of like garages, railings, a bathroom, like anything you could imagine. And the biggest part of these work projects were just loving on the homeowners and caring for them and showing them that someone was there to give them a helping hand. And I think like the biggest thing that I like took away from this was in one of the neighborhoods we went to, it was really run down. Like it wasn't the best situation. And in all these boarded up houses that no one was living in, they had these beautiful paintings in the windows. There were like just different artworks. I'm not sure really how they got there, but it was just a really big sign of beauty in an area where you wouldn't really notice a beautiful thing. And it was really good because we are a predominantly white youth group going to a predominantly African-American um, demographic. And we were not the white saviors that came in and helped them. We were there to help with them and not try to, oh, look, I'm helping. It was just we're here to love on you, and while we're here, we're going to help you fix up your yard. So, And then the, at the end, we went to a racial healing service, and that was an amazing experience where we all joined together, and the pastor of the church we were um, singing at that evening, he, like, prayed over us, and that was just a really great experience where we all came together, like, adults and children and um, us, and we were all just the body of Christ. In regards to the First Baptist Church, uh, Louisiana flood relief mission trip, these things, for having a church van road ready for a round trip uh, journey to Baton Rouge, for having a maintenance staff and church members willing to pitch in and to pack and to loan supplies for the trip and all the necessary tools, for having a church that is so generous in spirit to give funds and supplies for the trip, for Broadmoor Baptist Church folk in Baton Rouge, for providing a place for us to stay, and for their volunteers uh, being there on the site to give us direction, encouragement, and insight, for the Cajun Navy uh, for rescuing Dwight and his wife, those were the first homeowners we worked with, for Dave, a good-hearted Baton Rouge Methodist, yes, they're out there, for seeing the need and taking the lead in helping out Betty Jo and Carmen, the second homeowners we were uh, privileged to work with, uh, for Nancy, Alice, Alice Satterfield's mama, and Diane for coming over from Knoxville to be a part of the team, and oh yeah, there was the fudge that she brought, uh, for Ken, a pilot from Houston, for join us, joining us in helping Nicole and David, the third homeowners that we worked with, uh, those folks had about six feet of water in their home. For Joe and Nancy, the fourth homeowners we worked with, for dancing for us, yes, dancing, in their backyard during our lunch break, in spite of the terrible loss that they suffered, 
And uh, the fact that they had to wade out from their home, waist or above waist deep, to uh, be rescued from the flood. For Vern, for his handyman skills and leading out in the projects for us. For Norma and Lori, for their versatility and all the rescue work that was done. And Lori, again, for providing great food for us. For Paul, for driving down also to join us and give us a needed boost of energy and new blood at the end of the week. For Melissa, for making it all come together by coordinating with CBF and Broadmoor Baptist Church. I want to say thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to represent you and FBCJC in serving others and providing a small bit of relief, help, and encouragement to God be the glory for all the mission work that has been done that we've heard all day. It's been a great morning so far. I love hearing the reports and the stories and the perspective from all ages of their experience uh, involved in serving and going out and sharing the love of Christ. I want to give a report on the Ukraine. Um, In September of 2013, we were invited by the Future Leadership Foundation to join the Macedonia Project. The goal of this initiative is to match 20 American churches with 20 church plants in the Ukraine, or new churches. You'll see a map of Ukraine here on the slide, in the screens. In 2013, we were matched with a church planner named Sergei, who's on the next slide, and he was located on the far eastern border of Ukraine. Our agreement in this project was to provide a portion of the financial support that Sergei would need to attend seminary. The other portion is paid by the mother church, or the church that is planting this church. We also agreed to coaching and mentoring Sergei, and to hopefully provide teams in the future to help the new church reach its community. Well, in 2014, things changed dramatically with the invasion of Russia into eastern Ukraine. Over 8,000 have been killed, and many had to flee their homes. A year ago, the pastor of the Mother Church, the church that is planting this church that we partnered with, that pastor, Ellis Apronin, was here to share with us what had happened in their churches. And after death threats and the burning of their church, our church planner, Sergei, and LSA, and many in their faith community fled to the central part of Ukraine and relocated in Kiev, the capital. Since that time, they've been bringing aid back to families in the east, and gathering refugees in that city. LSA has become a staff member at the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary, and he and Sergei have planted a new church there in Kiev. Our pastor, Doyle Sager, is currently there right now. In fact, while we're worshiping here, they, he just finished up uh, worshiping with our church planner, Sergei, and Yelisei and their new church plant. He has been teaching a small group of church planters at the seminary, and furthering our relationships there. Today he is preaching at that church plant and is able to celebrate communion and baptism with them. In fact, one of the six being baptized is Sergei's son and Yelisei's daughter. We are excited about the continued opportunities we have to further the support and growth and development of that church plant and to support those that are sharing Christ, both in the word and in deed in that area. While I'm here, I also want to give you a quick Kenya update. Although we did not travel to Kenya this year, I wanted to let you know just an update on the House of Hope home. We have partnered with this children's home in Naivasha, Kenya, since 2009. 
The House of Hope is home to over 30 children and teenagers and provides for their physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs. The home also had a school which provided education and meals to some of the children at the home and children in the community as well. The past year, teachers across Kenya went on strike for higher wages. This demand eventually made its way to the House of Home Academy. And after much prayer and discussion, they decided they were not able to continue with the school and to keep up with the demand of the increased wages. So in April of this year, the House of Hope Academy closed permanently. The House of Hope Home did not. The children are enrolled in a nearby school that is providing a quality education, and the House of Hope continues to meet their physical, emotional, spiritual, and still education needs, and we're very grateful for that. During this time of transition, it was best for us not to bring a team and allow them to kind of get their house in order and to figure out uh, those transitions. We currently still support them in financial and prayer support, and we look forward to returning to them soon in new ways. So please continue to pray for our partners in Kenya, for Joel and Susan Karanja, for Jason and Lisa Hoving, for the mamas and the staff at the house, and definitely for the children there. Nearly a year ago, when we asked the question, why do you stay at First Baptist Church? The number one response was missions. People are drawn here and they stay here for a multitude of reasons, but the sending heart of this congregation is significant to many. But not because we simply believe in sending followers of Christ out, but rather because we actually send. And there is a place for you to serve. There is a need for you to meet. There is someone for you to love and someone for you to pray over. Be a mentor. South School needs mentors. Before you leave today, go to the table in Narthex, buy a few shirts, pick up a packet on what it means to be a mentor. I think you'll be glad that you did. In the bulletin this morning, there's so many different ways for you to get involved. Take the first step. Contact us. Let us know what you're interested in and how we can help you put your faith into action through service. I heard once that the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Our setting sail visioning process is committed to First Baptist becoming a sending church like never before. And why? Because we have a story to tell. A story about a God who has redeemed us and transformed us. A story to tell of how, because of Christ, everything has changed. And we simply cannot keep the love of God to ourselves.